on the Poker Show tonight. Retired at age 24, back alive at 25, it's the world champion Peter Eastgate saying he ain't a special guy. Who's he kidding? Welcome to the poker show. Here's some highlights from tonight's show. I've been in kind of a soul searching where I've been like reevaluating my life and trying to figure out what, what I want to do, but nevertheless, I haven't really done anything significant to change my life. Well, if money's not the main thing, you, I'm basically not playing anymore. In spring 2008, I lost like a half a million dollars in one day, which was like one third of my role. I'm a West Ham guy, but also like um, Tottenham and Arsenal. Like, I don't care about other people's recognition or. I don't care about like people recognizing me for the results I make. Like then Tom G came in and some <laughs> other guys as well. Yeah. And he got us two hundred thousand pounds. The only thing interesting about you is that you happen to win like the World Series main event, but you don't feel like you have like an interesting, interesting personality or an interesting story to tell. And I'm for sure not a storyteller. Aggression is kind of like exaggerated and overestimated. Poker is all about adapting to your opponents, so it doesn't really matter who's the most aggressive, it's who's the most profitable and who's making the most optimal decision. Obviously, no, nobody can take the world championship away from me, but like, I gave the bracelet away. Well, as I went into the heads up, I was completely exhausted. Like, I had no energy left. Yeah. And I was just hoping that Ivan didn't pick up upon that so the match wouldn't go on for, for hours. And I really didn't have any kind of emotions attached to the braces. So, so it was a pretty easy decision to get to get rid of it. Yeah, it was it was a whirlwind and I wasn't really used to it. And I wasn't really comfortable being, being in the spotlight. But I'm getting a little bit more comfortable and a little more used to it and uh, a little bit better. What is the exact saying? Is it uh, the crown is heavy to he who wears it or he is heavy who wears the crown? Anyway, the king of the world in 2008, Peter Eastgate, uh, World Series of Poker champion, uh, decided before the World Series of Poker last year that he was going to, well, he called it a retirement, but it was a break from poker. And now he's back. And I wasn't surprised by either one. You know, I think in general, poker is the kind of thing, it's very intense. And most people at some point do suffer some sort of burnout where they want to reevaluate themselves. I, I confess I was exactly like Peter when I, when I was his age, aside from winning anything. <laughs> but as far as uh, poker went, you know, you, you need to take some breaks sometimes. Uh, Peter's always been, well, for the last couple of years anyway, the last great main event champ, you know, aside from Phil Helmuth, who for me was a, a boyhood hero. Uh, Eastgate was a guy I, I really, uh, I watched him, watched him grow up. Remember when he first came to the Poker Million uh, a couple of years before, uh, you know, he was just a qualifier from Ladbrokes then. Uh, and uh, he made a move on Devilfish. This was back when the Devilfish still struck fear 
in the in the hearts of people, but not this this young. Uh, he must have been nineteen or twenty. I don't know. Year old Eastgate, and he made a great move on the poker million. Then I saw him at the Irish Open. He got his uh, aces cracked about two tables uh, from the finish. You know, the year that Marty Smith won it, uh, and it was exciting to see you know a, a, a guy like young guy like Peter win the the main event. And for me. You know, Peter's a very humble guy, but for me, he's one of the great WSOP champions because he's so honest. He's so humble. He's uh, He doesn't put on any airs. And, you know, the thing about him selling the bracelet, if people know he, he auctioned off his World Series of Poker bracelet for charity, it was a, it was a pretty weird move. But it brought 100,000 pounds to UNICEF, which is a massive amount of money. And uh, do I think that at, at some point he's, you know, in, in 30 or 40 years going to wish that uh, his, his grandkids had that bracelet? Yeah, maybe. But the effort is very pure. It's a, a very interesting sort of thing that he did. Uh, anyway, uh, Peter, he jokes with himself or he, 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 he kids himself that uh, he's a, not an interesting person, and uh, he doesn't enjoy interviews or this sort of thing. But anyway, I got one with him, and I was excited. Saw him here in Denmark, which is his, his home country, even though he, he's living in London now. And he was very gracious. He was uh, when, I, when I got to the interview, um, I, I, he was running a little late because uh, he was doing an interview with a big newspaper in Denmark, and they interviewed him for like, an hour and a half, uh, put a big spread in the Danish newspaper about what uh, a week was in the, in the life of the world champion here at the EPT Copenhagen and that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, listen, it was great. I got to talk to Peter a lot. And, uh, you know, you got to listen to his answers. He's not, uh, okay, he's not the most colorful guy in the world, but he is so honest. And this is what it's like. This is what it means after you've won the World Series of Poker. What else is there? Hi, I'm Roland DeWolf, Triple Crown winner, and this is The Poker Show with Mickey Dane. I mean, Jesse May. Hey, Jesse, it's Kim Lansing here. If you don't have a Party Poker account, sign up today using the bonus code POKERSHOW and we'll match your first deposit up to $500. That's $400 more than normal, but you have to use the bonus code POKERSHOW. Already got a Party Poker account? We've got something for you, too. An exclusive reload bonus. Redeposit using the bonus code POKERSHOW50 and we'll match your deposit up to $50. Before we get into the Eastgate interview, though, I, I got a couple minutes with uh, Theo Jorgensen, another Dane, uh, in Paris, asking him about Peter Eastgate. Uh, he was there for the European Poker Awards. And, you know, Theo's one of those guys, um, you, you know he's a good guy. He's a great guy. And, you know, he hangs around good guys. The, the thought of him... Johnny Laud and Peter Eastgate at the uh, Man United game. And, uh, the, you know, we hear that great story, if you listen to the show last year, about uh, Theo being at some Chelsea game where Peter, you know, the guy's got into a fight and that sort of thing. They love to bet on football. Anyway, um, here's Theo uh, talking about Peter Eastgate. So uh, EPT Copenhagen is uh, next week. Yes. And uh, what do you think about Peter Eastgate coming back? I know you're a friend of his. I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to it. it, uh, it for me, it's, it's, it's good news that he's coming back because I'm going to be traveling with him. And uh, I always enjoy his company. We were just up in Manchester now watching uh, United versus City. Oh, right. That was with, just uh, that was two nights yeah, ago. Johnny Lawton. Yeah, I saw the yeah. you, Johnny Lawton, Peter Eastgate. And then uh, qualifies for Poker Stars. Right. It's qualified. That was fantastic. Did you have the right? side what uh, yeah okay, I, I don't want to <laughs> I, I did and uh, the goal but just to, uh, Wayne Rooney right yeah. right saying that you were there when he scored that goal was right 
That was amazing. Very nice. So I'm looking forward to it. Do you think Peter's uh, is he is he does he feel like playing poker? Is he does. He, yeah. I think he, it's it's great what he did, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's 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 good to take took the break that he needed, and uh, now he's definitely uh, what do you say hungry again. Now yeah. he, he he feels like playing, and nobody's going to be playing well if they don't feel like playing. Uh, and he, he, he wants to play. So uh, you could expect that big things. I'm the best now, and I smash it now. I've proved it already. I've crushed European side. I've crushed American side. If you don't want me up anymore, I'm sending everyone broke, and that's the problem. <laughs> hey, guys. This is Sinisa. I'm with the Royal Flush Girls. You're listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. Eastgate's one of those guys, well, he's asking himself the big questions. And, you know, there is a question. Um, what, what do you play poker for after you've won the World Series of Poker, if you've got money and that sort of thing? Um, you know, besides a love for the game, that's, that's, or motivation for money. That's, what, what else can there be? It's, uh, it's tough as a champion to refocus yourself. Uh, anyway, here's part one of my interview with Peter Eastgate. With Peter Eastgate, back from his uh, your break, uh, your poker break. Tell me, Peter, like, was there a moment uh, leading up to when you decided to take a few months off poker when you knew that it was right to take a break? Well, as I took the break, I was 100% confident that it was the right decision and didn't really, like, it didn't really feel like playing poker. So there was no doubt in my mind about, like, whether I should play or not. And as, as I decided to re- rejoin the poker tour, I was 100% confident that that was the right decision as well. So, um, And tell me about some of the things you did while you were uh, off. Because I know, like, World Cup, for instance, you went to South Africa, didn't you? No, I was watching all the football games in London. Okay. Yeah. And that was actually part of the reason why I didn't go to the World Series, because I was losing so much money <laughs> during the World Cup. Who was your team once Denmark got knocked out, which was horrible for me as well? But who was your team? Well, I, I was betting on England and Argentina. And I was betting against Spain, and they happened to win, so like, I lost a lot of money on that World Cup. You, uh, you like to, bet, to, to watch football and bet on it. I think, was it Theo who told me that you recently were at a, the Man United-Man City game where Wayne Rooney scored that great goal? Is that true? That, that's true, yeah. But actually, since World Cup, I haven't really made a bet on a football game since then. Is it, uh, would you say that's your biggest leak, football? Not anymore. I'm not betting on football anymore. All right. You still like to watch it, though. Who's your team? Are you Chelsea? Is that... No, I'm, I'm a West Ham guy. Right. But also like um, Tottenham and Arsenal. And uh, what what else did you do? Did you travel a lot? Did I see that you went to Nepal or something like that? Yeah, that's true, yeah. I went to Nepal for an eight-day trekking on the Annapurna Mountain. Yeah. You did the Annapurna Circuit in eight, eight days? Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a 19-day trek or something. You didn't do the whole thing. I'm not sure whether we did the whole thing, but I'm pretty sure we did it faster than the than the average uh, trekker. Uh, it took us like five or six days to get up to the to the base camp. Yeah, like two and a half days to get to get back. Did you get the? You say you went to the peak. How high did you get? Uh, in an altitude of forty three hundred meters. Yeah. And uh, what what was that like? Was that uh, was that fun? Is it very clear your mind up there? It's, yeah, it clears your mind. Like it's it's really cool to to be disconnected from the internet and and your mobile phone and 
only your faults and your friends to talk to. So yeah, it's a pretty surreal way of um, living eight days. You were uh, you were traveling with another poker player there. Is that true? Uh, I was traveling with an unknown poker player called Casper, who nobody knows. And I was traveling with a more well-known poker face called Sander Lilo. Who's, a, who's more well-known as a backgammon player. Well, but yeah, exactly, and he won the EPT of Barcelona in 2007, yeah. Uh, and is he a fun guy? Those are fun guys to travel with? Like? Oh, those, those are terrific friends of mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me about... Um, have you been reading any like uh, any books since you've been gone? I mean, is like what kind of stuff have you been? Uh, is it sort of like to get your mind together and that kind of thing? It's been a kind of a soul searching where I've been like reevaluating my life and trying to figure out what what I want to do. But nevertheless, I haven't really done anything significant to change my life. It's just yeah, changed and matured a little bit. Yeah. Let's go back to the World Series of Poker 2008. When you think back. Um, what are your clearest memories of the November 9 of that final table? In 2008? Yeah. What springs to mind is the four months break, which was a really long, dreary break. Because it was the first one. No one really knew how the November 9 were going to react. No, that's true. And I was kind of like thinking about making a lot of um, studies for the final table but nevertheless you couldn't really make any kind of like preparation for the final table and I didn't really do any kind of thing to like uh, scout out some information on my opponents or whatever like basically the final table just played out as it did. And what was the night like before the heads up? Because you must have been a little surprised to get there I mean you know and then have that 24 hour break or so before the, the heads up began. Well, as I went into the heads up, I was completely exhausted. Like, I had no energy left. Yeah. And I was just hoping that Ivan didn't pick up upon that so the match wouldn't go on for, for hours. And, like, I wasn't hoping that he would just drag the match out for, like, forever. But it was pretty long. I mean, like, in the coverage, I think they have two hands in the TV, but it, it was over 100 hands, wasn't it? Which it is fairly significant. Yeah, it was really significant. But nevertheless, we played for $3.5 million. And, uh, and immortality as well, so obviously you can um, pull it back together and play your best for whatever amount of hours it, it required because it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, which you don't want to miss. Um, let's go back and pretend that it's the day after you win the main event again. Um, what would you do different? Would you do anything different? I don't think I would do anything differently, differently as the things I did just before, just after I won the main event. Um, when you when you think back now on the the two years that followed, um, was the you know was the was the fame was it a was it a lot to handle? You know all the notoriety here in Denmark and that sort of thing. Yeah, it was it was a whirlwind, and I wasn't really used to it, and I wasn't really comfortable being being in the spotlight. But I'm, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable, a little more used to it, and uh, a little bit better. Because, uh, like, I mean, I've just been seeing you. You had long interviews and stuff like that. The media part of the job, it's it's work, isn't it? I mean, a bit of a job, really. It's work, and it's it's kind of awkward when you don't really find yourself to be that interesting. The only thing interesting about you is that you happen to win like the World Series main event. <laughs> But you don't feel like you have like an interesting, interesting personality or an interesting story to tell, and I'm for sure not a storyteller. 
Let's talk about the poker because you're back here playing now. Is is anything? Is there anything that maybe like eight months is a long time in the poker world these days that people uh, weren't doing so much eight months ago, and now you come back and like everybody is doing it. Well, on the second day of the EPT, I drew a re- really tough table where I had Michael Turnick to my immediate left. He's an he, animal. He's an animal, and he was free betting me like all the time. And it was pretty difficult to handle with the relative stack sizes. And two to my left, there was a very competent American player who happened to knock me out on the second last level of the day. So those two guys gave me a really hard time. And there was some other really tough competition at the table, which made it a really, really tough day. Um, Do you think, like, is it getting harder to win at poker, or is it just that the skill set you need is changing? Well, it's definitely getting harder and you definitely need to, need to keep track of the um, of the recent development in the game and the recent development in the competition and uh, if you don't work on your game you, you're certainly going to lag behind If you think back to 2008 maybe 2009 would you have labeled your style as like very aggressive and do you think as you're getting older you're maybe like less aggressive compared to the rest of the field I might be a little bit less aggressive than I was beforehand, but aggression is kind of like exaggerated and overestimated. Poker is all about adapting to your opponents, so it doesn't really matter who's the most aggressive, it's who's the most profitable and who's making the most optimal decision. Um, You've pretty much been uh, sort of considered a young gun your entire poker career. Do you think that's still a fair label, or are you looking and saying, oh my God, there's these really young guys now who are, they're the young guns? Well, I'm 25 years old, and there's the guys of like John Goodman and Isildur, and I know that they're only 21, so they're four, four years younger than me, so I'm not really part of the young guns anymore. Uh, let's talk about Isildur. Have you had a chance to meet him, Victor Blum, and talk with him, and what do you think of him? Well, I've never met him, and I don't think I've ever played against him, so I really don't have that much of an opinion about him. Obviously, I know about all the huge swings he's, he's had, but yeah, obviously, like I'm a little bit skeptical, skeptical about him playing that many tables against that many different opponents. Like that can hardly be profitable, but to figure out whether who has the edge between him and and Jungleman playing four tables and he's not playing three other opponents at the same time, I, I couldn't tell. Yo, Phil Helmuth, 11-time world champion of poker, bragging again. You're here listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May. Hey, guys, it's Kara Scott here. Enter your email address at thepokershowlive.com and get the show delivered twice a week. Kind of an, an interesting, well, I don't know, interesting story. It's all, you know, water under the bridge now. But I remember that, that 2008 World Series. I was there. Uh, I was actually there with Ladbrokes, and so was, was Eastgate, who had, in some manner, originally qualified for his seat um, on Ladbrokes. 
uh, for the World Series of Poker. They had brought him over about 100 guys, had a massive lounge. I was uh, involved taking people out. Uh, you know, I went to the Red Rocks Canyon, the machine gun range, dinners, that sort of thing. Marty, Mad Marty Wilson was running the lounge. It was a, quite a big operation. Ladbrokes was still kind of in, in full swing back then. Uh, and they had a bunch of pros. Now, unfortunately, everybody got knocked out. In fact, the last guy, I think it was Jeff Kimber, um, who got knocked out, you know, in, in 50 or 60 or 100 something place or something like that. And they, Ladbrokes packed up all their stuff and left. And they forgot about Peter Eastgate. <laughs> and it was this, uh, this whole thing. And that's, the, then there was all this, this controversy, of course, with, you know, was he going to wear the patch or was he going to wear the poker stars and that whole thing. And basically it all came down to, there was about two days at the end there when, uh, no one was there, uh, you know, and, uh, and everyone had forgotten that, uh, Ladbroke still had a qualifier in the main event. And, uh, I don't know if Eastgate would have, would have stayed with Ladbrokes or not. I mean, at the end of the day, let's face it back then the money was massive you had the agents crawling around and um you know eastgate took the poker stars and it's it's all been history from there won the world series of poker um amazingly about that that main event that that final table the first november nine if you watch back uh on the tv coverage they only show two hands from the heads up, but the heads up was grueling, and I, I don't even know what happened. You can just, you know, you can try and watch a hand by hand uh, from Poker News and try and get the the archive, but pretty much has been lost to history. A shame, because from all accounts, uh, Eastgate was just, uh, you know, amazing that day. And of course, in his humble way, he he still uh, he, he 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 doesn't even want to talk about it. But here's part two of my interview with with Peter Eastgate. Let me ask you about. You are, you know, main event champion now. Do you have a favorite WSOP main event champion besides yourself, living or dead? Um, yeah, I like uh, Greg Raymer. Like, I like all of them, basically. I don't have any animosity against any of them. But in particular, I like Greg Raymer and Chris Ferguson because I think those other guys were handling them. The best way, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. They're, you mean that they're very positive towards the game and that sort of thing? They're very positive and they're very modest and they're very easy to talk to and they're, they're bright and intelligent. And yeah. Yeah, nice one. Um, are you a fan of like the WSOP history? I mean, do you, do you like to read about all the main event champions and feel like you're a part of it? No. It doesn't do do it for you. No, it doesn't do it for me. No, I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> I belong to that kind of group. Like, obviously, no, nobody can take the world championship away from me. But like, I gave the bracelet away. So, well, g- gave it away. I wouldn't say that. I mean, a hundred thousand pounds. That's a, that's a massive amount of money for charity. Uh, I think a lot of people were like, "Oh my God, he's selling the bracelet." And then they were like, "Wow, a hundred thousand pounds." Was were you surprised about how much it brought? Yeah, I was very surprised. What were, what were you expecting? I mean, no, I mean, nobody could have expected that. Exactly, like I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, like, it could have been around like twenty or thirty thousand pounds or whatever. It could have been even less. Like I was, at the, it took like twenty-four hours before I got the first bit. Yeah, and I, I was worrying that I was not going to get a bit. 
And then Tony G came in. And then Tony G came in and some other guys as well. Yeah. And he got to 200,000 pounds. Yeah, that was quite extraordinary. Um, the act of giving it away, for, forget about everything else, it seems kind of like, um, I don't know, almost like a, a, a Buddhist thing, not having any attachments. Or, is that kind of the way you looked at it, or was it more about doing something for charity? Um, both kind of ways, like... I really didn't have any kind of emotions attached to the braces, so, so it was a pretty easy decision to get to get rid of it. And I didn't really need the money either for the braces, so it was both a charity thing and kind of like a Buddhist thing, as you as you mentioned, even though I wasn't aware of it being a Buddhist thing. <laughs> money, obviously. I mean, you you've got a bankroll and that sort of thing. I mean, I but your motivation for playing now, um, is it? Is it tough to find motivation if the money is not the main thing, or or is or, or is, is there still motivation to win money? Um, well, if money is not the main thing, you, I'm basically not playing anymore. Right. Basically, there's close to zero zero <laughs> prestige in it for me. Like I don't care about other people's recognition, or I don't care about like people recognizing me for the results I make. Like I like the challenge of the game and making the right decisions and trying to, to progress and improve myself as a player. And I like the psychological layers in the game. But whether I win the main event and get like millions of people's recognition, that doesn't really concern me. So are there some moments, like for instance, playing in the main event here in Copenhagen, the Poker Stars EPT, uh, where you just have some pure pleasure for, for a difficult decision or a fun hand? Yeah, exactly. Like, I like the dynamic uh, of poker. And as I just said, like the psychological layers and the difficult decision and the difficult task of things. Since you won the main event, what's been the best poker moment for you? You had a couple of results and things like that, uh, you know, EPT London and um, I think, you know, a couple down the Bahamas and things like that. Yeah, well, I've had a pretty good run in the live tours where I finished second in the EPT of London and a one-on-side event at the Bahamas, so like, I've had some great results, but I can't really think back of like a moment where I thought like the poker is really fantastic right now. Like, obviously, I appeared in the high-stakes poker, that was, I didn't really feel like I played my best, I was a little bit jet-lagged and uncomfortable. And leading up to the main event, um, you, you had, you know, quite a few years before, was there a sort of a poker moment that you look back on as a great poker moment? No, but I had a, a terrible moment, like, in spring 2008 I lost like a half a million dollars in one day which was like one third of my role at that time so that was pretty significant but I can't really think of a day where I won a half a million dollars do you remember what you did after that uh, that night how did you you deal with it I think I had a a great meal and I went straight to sleep that's the perfect way (laughs) that's all you could do yeah Are you are you a gamer? Um, you talked about like you know, liking the psychological layers of poker and stuff like that. Are you a, a computer gamer? Are there any other games that you like to play? No, no other games, and I'm not really good in the other poker games like 
probably Metal Maha or the Seven or Eight games uh, and that kind of stuff. Like I can play the no limit hold'em games only. So you just you just like you just like poker and you just like no limit hold'em really. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And you think that's going to continue? Well, I kind of guarantee that I will still be playing poker like five or ten years down down the road. Like I never, you never really know what's going to happen. Like I could go back into retirement and rejoin the poker tournaments or the tournament circuit again. Like you never know. Well, one thing you know you're doing, I think, is the NBC heads up, and you were you were fifth in it last year. Um, is that was that satisfying, or is the f- structure of the tournament tough to make that satisfying? I mean. Well, it's obviously satisfying because it's above expectation. Like you, you're not like out of 64 starting players, you're um, finishing in the top eight. I got knocked out by Exidel, and I didn't really feel like I made the most optimal decision in that game. So that was a little bit unsatisfying. But throughout the other matches, I think I played pretty decent. So, so this one is something you'll kind of look forward to going back and. You know, not defending a title, but you've had good good result there. I've had yeah a good result there last year, and I will try to improve that result. But like you take it match by match, and there are a lot of tough draws that you can make, and a lot of players were better than than me. But nevertheless, like the structure is, is very fast, so it's it becomes a crapshoot pretty after an hour or two. Um, so just just to kind of wind up, um, do you feel like you have a Let's say a mantra, or like when you sit down to play, is there is there some sort of saying or phrase that you kind of use to motivate you or to focus you? No, but as I sit down and play the live tournament things, I'm listening to podcasts and watching TV series and that kind of stuff to keep my mind occupied because a lot of the time you're sitting there and waiting for a playable hand. <laughs> so then maybe patience is your mantra. What's up, guys? It's Dragon here. You're listening to the Party Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. Hey, Jesse. It's Michelle Banzer here from the Royal Flush Girls. I just wanted to tell the listeners, enter your email address at www.thepokershowlive.com and get this show delivered twice a week. Well, that's all we got time for tonight. Good luck, of course, to Peter Eastgate. Uh, I'm always rooting for him. Uh, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy you always want to root for. And he is a fantastic player. He doesn't beat his chest about it. But believe you me, um, he can play and play tournament poker. And that's what he knows he's good at, and that's what he does. Um, next time, big interview with Sam Trickett, the hottest player on the planet. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking with him. I got a great interview with him in Paris. So uh, see you next time.